I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. Well, when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going, so I opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are, and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the brakes when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Waterford today, because like, I'm, I'm heartbroken. So Hurling's taken a backstage to Gaelic football this weekend, Cheddar. We've only got one game in the Leinster Championship. We've Galway and Wexford and we have one game in the Joe McDonough Cup. It's an important one. Westmead are at home to Kerry. So, like, I mean, it's nice for us football fellas to have a day in the sun, Cheddar, without Hurling dominating everything. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, no. So I tell you what's interesting, Woolly, is that, you know, we spoke a lot last year about the, the quality of the, the Hurling Championship. Um, and look, we were entrailed by it really right throughout the summer. Um, and oftentimes the following year then is a bit of a letdown. But strangely enough, um, this year is, is, is it's, it's definitely on a par with last year. And, you know, even taking the uh, Wexford and Dublin, the finish of the Wexford and Dublin match last weekend. Um, you know, it's certainly um, on a par with last year, and, and you know some of the skill sets that were that would be spoke about, particularly with the likes of of uh, um, you know Hoggy and that last last weekend, are certainly on a par with last year, and that's unusual because you know normally you would have a if you had a brilliant year of, of a number of matches, the following year then might be a little bit of a letdown, but actually the reverse is nearly true. Yeah, no, it has been a good start. All right, definitely Cork Limerick um, de- definitely added to that because that was that shock that it probably that it probably needed. Philip Matney has broken his leg, Cheddar. I don't know if you saw this news. It's really terrible news for him. He faces eight to ten weeks on the sideline. He got a sh- the shin, but I think he broke his shin bone. So it was it happened against Tipperary in Semple Stadium. So it's the second serious leg injury he's had in the last five years. I thought it was a little bit more recent his last one, but they're saying um, in the last five years. Looks like he's gone for the championship. Bad news for him. Uh, 
terrible news for him bad news for Waterford as well who really are, are, are looking like a kind of team that are rudderless at the moment um, yeah, look on a personal level, um, you know, dreadful news for him. He's just gone through a lot of, you know, as the last thing, as, as all players know, the last thing they want is to be injured, particularly at the championship end of the season and that. Um, so it's very, very tough look on, on our brilliant player. Um, I'd, I'd say, well, that, look, it'd been worse if it had been the brother up the other side of the field um, and, and that. Um, and Watford probably have a number of defenders coming back and probably have a number of defenders to be able to fill that even though he is a you know an exceptional player um but um I, you know I, obviously he losing anybody and you know I, I know that at the start of the year their party had just, just some players coming back um so look it's tough and particularly when you know when you're after suffering a couple of losses like that um, you know a serious injury to a player like that it just damages the psychology of the team that little bit more when you you know when you least need it um, so look it, 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 it is a tough one for them but you know Waterford have you know as I said this before it's probably going to take a little bit of time to bed in you know what what, what Parrick needs to get what we know what his imprint is on the team at that and I drew reference um, you know the same management in, in, in essence was in place in Nimerick in the previous year in 2017 and it just takes a little while to, to really, I suppose stitch all together the different types of play and the different systems and the right people in the right places and all of that type of stuff um, so it'll take a little bit of while I think for this to happen with Waterford and there's nothing saying that they could come out um, you know the, 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 the following weekend and get a win there and re-energise their year again and, and get going from there you know they definitely have the quality and they definitely have the players to do that um, I think they were looking back on last weekend um, you know considering everything there was nothing in it um, and if that goal had went in there was certainly nothing in it that pulled it back to a couple of points um, of course the, the standing off you know had a real big effect on them and, and uh, you know tip pushed on to the finish but you know there was you know there was uh, in the second half there when they really raised their game and there seemed to be a high energy about the team and Waterford have a, a real capacity to do that over the last couple of years um, but you know a couple of things started happening that I think you know took a lot of energy out of the team and the, the challenge probably petered out towards the end of the game Yeah no maybe it'll turn around Cork were able to turn it around after a poor result against Tip and I suppose Tip have the ability to hammer hammer anybody on their day Carlos David English was talking talking about Carlo's performance against Kilkenny and obviously the analysis from this game is that Kilkenny blew them away in the first half and Carlo more than put up their own in the second half now was that a, a, a combination of Kilkenny knowing the game was over and switching off or Carlo finally realising look these lads aren't superhuman and actually starting to hurl but he said that um, he said we weren't ready for the start Kilkenny hit us really hard in the first few minutes you watch it on TV go to their games but it never sinks in until you play them that's the reality that's the bar they've set over the last 20 years and it's up to us to get there and it just got me thinking Cheddar you obviously played Leash or managed Leash and you would have played against a lot of the big counties you know Galway Clare all these big teams and is, is it difficult psychologically to tell these fellas, lads, you're not watching these fellas on telly now? Do you know what I mean? Especially Claire, who would have just won the All-Ireland before you would have played them and trying to beat it into their heads. Lads, get it out of your heads that these lads are superhuman or anything like that. Like, would you have to spend time talking to these weaker teams about psychologically playing against fellas that they would be watching on television? I think there's a number of aspects to that, Wooly, really. Um, 
look, it is a, a huge issue and probably one of the biggest issues. You know, your mindset going into these games, um, do you really believe deep down um, that you're going to take this team down? And do you really believe that, you know, you person yourself is good enough to compete on this stage and more more particularly that your team is good enough collectively to be able to perform on this stage um, and there's a couple of more aspects to that you know the game being at home um, has some advantages for you um, I, I do remember the first three years I think we played we played player in Ennis in, in the first two games it looked like all Leinster teams had to go to Munster that time that's how it looked I think maybe the third year we played Watford and I think the fourth year maybe we played Dublin in our home ground and there was a very different feel to that among the team I can I can surely remember that um, so there's a number of things um, ab- about this uh, certainly home adv- home venue in these type of things is you know so much to you um, nonetheless Carlo are on their home grounds last last weekend um, but just to get back to your point um, it is a, you know it's a serious challenge um, for a management team if the uh, team that you're managing hasn't had underage success up along um, I mean you know the last couple of years are good examples here Limerick have had a lot of success with that team uh, so they fear nobody you know that Limerick team for example, didn't fear Kilkenny. Now, it was still very, very tight, but they didn't fear them because they'd beat them in under-21 and, and, and up along through the age groups. The same with Clare. Clare had won under-21 championships and, and going back to minor and that. Um, so, you know, you, you are now a Clare senior or you're a Limerick senior. I'm talking to top teams here now for a minute, but, you know, maybe the teams that hadn't won All-Ireland. And you look across the field and you're looking across at a car player or a Tipperary player, and you know in your heart and soul that right you up along the age groups, you had the edge on this player and you're able to dominate this player collectively throughout the team. You know, that's much easier to manage. Now let's take a step back to the Carlos and the Leash and, you know, off you fell into this now as well in the West Meads. And, you know, generally speaking, you get maybe one chance uh, to have a go off of this. And, you know, the first thing, I think, if you haven't had that, um, I suppose, bank of underage experience to call on, you have to come with something different. And your game plan has to be different uh, because you definitely need to throw the other team. um, And you're team needs to have real confidence that you know you have taught this out and that you have a different game plan and that look this is this is going to succeed for us I think on top of all of that then there's obviously the psychological dimension and how you work on your team um, and how you you know how you change the mindset from you know probably been looking up to these teams in terms of just looking across them. We are equal at the very worst or the very best with this team. Um, you know, so so we're starting off on an equal footing here. And, you know, there's obviously the, the, the sports psychologists and all of those have shown we spoke about this recently and we probably didn't address that power. They have huge roles to play in all of that area in terms of making a player feel that, look, my skill set is as good as the person next that I'm going to play on here. Um, if my level of intensity, my work rate, if I can get that up enough and start off properly and our game plan is good enough, we have a great chance here. That's all you're trying to imbue in the team, I suppose. It is very, very difficult. And I, I think just on a wider aspect, Having developing counties playing these tough games at home is, you know, some advantage um, to, to, to that county. At least you don't have the threat of going down, uh, to, you know, to the Gaelic grounds or going down to Ennis, you know, which are very, very difficult grounds to play in anyway. I mean, Cork going to going to Ennis um, or going to Wexford Park or Kenny going to Wexford Park find it very, very difficult. Just imagine then what a developing county, uh, you know, how, what the challenge it is for them to actually go there and win. Now, I'm going back to your original point, Willie, about David's comment. Um, I, I think the, the other thing that really, really catches you out um, 
is the pace of the hurling. There's probably two things. Look, the top five or seven or eight teams aren't top teams without having a big volume of great players. And, you know, the, the development counties may not just have that high volume of quality players right throughout the field, including five people to be able to bring in. They may not have that. So you're at a disadvantage anyway. But one of the other things that really catches you out is the pace of the hurling. And it's not the running speed. It's the speed that they hurl at and the pace that they hurl at. And I can catch you out, you know, really, really quickly. And I'd probably comment on this a number of times over the last year, Willie, that the way hurling has gone now and the quality and preciseness of some of the forwards, you can pet points down in, in 10 minutes really, really quickly. Now, you're out of the game straight away, heads dropped, there's a whole pile of things then happen to you at that stage. And now you're in a really difficult situation to try and, and, and you know, and, and arrest that. So I've got to give credit to Carlo. I can tell you no Kilkenny team switches off. And any Kilkenny player I'd say that switches off under Brian, he mightn't get a second chance to switch off. Um, so yeah. I, I don't think that that happened. And I don't. I think it was Carlo, uh, you know, finding their feet, and uh, finding their game plan. And you've got to give him great credit to turn around the second half and, and give a performance in the second half. Because generally speaking, when a team nearly whiplashes you um, uh, at the start of the game, it's very hard then to resettle and, and um, you know, just, get back to your game plan and get your performance back on track again and, and at least see out the second half. So I've got to give Carlo great credit for that. And I understand what David is saying but and I understand the reasons for that. But again, great credit to him for, you know, settling down and, and, and getting their game going in the second half. Yeah, no, definitely. There's no doubt about that. We're going to have to talk about Offaly here, Cheddar, because it's the fourth time this is a statistic I was reading. It's the fourth time in the last 10 years that Offaly have appointed an interim manager at senior level mid-season. Now, I think we're including football in that. But still, I, I've struggled to, find, to remember any counties that kind of did it at once, never mind doing it four times in 10 years. Michael Diglin said, three years ago, Westmead beat us by 14 points. What's been done differently between then and now? Very little. Put a different manager in and expect different results so we talked about awfully a lot Cheddar I'm almost struggling to find new things to say like I mean they're not as bad as they are the talk is that Kevin Martin lost the dressing room going to Christy Ring would be a complete disaster I suppose maybe your thoughts on Kevin Martin like did he have to go like I mean at, at that point maybe for the the, if he'd lost the dressing room the way he had you're not going to turn it around for two games and there was a, there was a huge threat uh, of them, of them potentially going to the Christie Ring, the way things were going. So I don't know. I'm thinking maybe he he just simply had to go. Um, well, uh, I suppose there's a couple of points to that. Will you really um, look? I don't know enough about um, the situation in terms of whether he had lost the dressing room or not. Um, if that was proven, and the only way that that would be proven is, uh, you know, from an executive speaking to the team and that, um, you know, was it two or three players in the dressing room who were disenchanted by whatever um, and, 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 you know, decided to air their grievance and, and, and that type of stuff? Or was it the whole team? If it, if it is the whole team, well, then that's, I know that's a serious issue and you simply have to change that. Um, and, you know, obviously in where Offaly are currently, um, you know, you would have to make a change if that was the case. And I, I'm qualifying everything I'm saying by by saying that you would have to find that out first. Don't just go on what you hear or sort of sort of sort of pub talk and all of that type of stuff, uh, because that's a, like a, it's a serious indictment on players if that's the case. Because I, I never 
regard players as hurling for their manager. They're hurling for their county and their family and their community and their club and all of those things. The manager is really only a representation of, of, of all of that within a management team. Now, I'm not silly enough to think that there is, you know, the, the, the players need to believe that the man, what the management team is doing is right and it's it's cutting edge and it's and, and all of that type of stuff. I, I, I you know, fully... Uh, uh, believe in that um, on the other point I really feel for Kevin Martin um, I just know Kevin a little bit he's a very very honourable man um, I'd regard him as an awfully hurling legend I think he's a two time all star bear in mind he knows management he trained Tullamore uh, to win a county championship in Offaly which they haven't done for a long number of years he always trained Clark Ballacollin and Leeds to win a county championship in Leeds which you know they're not easy things to do and I, I stand corrected on this but I think he actually managed Westmead to a Christie Green when Westmead weren't the power that they are now. Um, and I, I feel he was treated very poorly in this whole debacle, is all I'd say. And I, I certainly think that the changeover could have been handled so much better, uh, and and, uh, and particularly for Kevin, in terms of what he has given to Offie Hurl, and I think there was no regard whatsoever, nor no respect shown to Kevin um, in the way this changeover was handled. And I, I probably think that, and going back to my original point about Kevin, I don't know him well enough, but he certainly always strikes me as a, being a very honourable man. Um, I wonder if Kevin decided to be a dishonourable man and went out and spoke about some of the things in the panel that he wasn't given or some of the support he wasn't given by some players or whatever, or some financial support that he wasn't given to provide for some players. I wonder would there be a different view of Kevin? And I'm sure there's some of that has to come. I don't expect him to to air those type of things because he's not type, that type of man and that speaks violence for the man, Woolly. Yeah, no, it definitely does. And look, it definitely looks like the impossible job to me. It's a poison chalice, whatever, whatever's wrong with that, with that squad. The new manager is Joachim Kelly and they have a new coach, a man that goes by the name of Brian Carroll, who we know very well on this show. And Brian is actually joining us on the line here as well, Cheddar. Brian, your county came calling and you answered the call. <laughs> yeah, I suppose that's the way to put it, Willie. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, look, um, Joachim rang me uh, Monday evening. Didn't didn't have much time to think about it, but um, yeah, um, you know, fair play to Joachim in, in particular um, to stepping up to the to the mark. It's it, it's a mess. Let's yeah. let's not beat around the bush. It's an absolute mess. I spoke at length about it, or we did on on Monday. Um, I didn't expect it to, to to happen a couple of hours later that I'd be getting a phone call to get involved, but. Um, I suppose from the outset, um, there's no point uh, me having a lot to say about Offaly hurling and then not be willing to roll up my sleeves and get involved and, and try and help out. So I suppose that's essentially what I am doing. Yeah, fair play to you. Well, you're going to have to clear up one rumour that's doing the rounds anyways. Are you going to be playing or are you going to be coaching? Because I've seen um, I've seen both unconfirmed. Well, no, coaching is confirmed. Playing isn't. Yeah, coaching is all I'm, I'm there for at the moment. Yeah, definitely. Right. I know my day is done with hurling uh, intercounty level three years out of the game. It's uh, it's moved on too much for me. I'm 36 now in three weeks' time. So, um, no, I'm fa- I'd love to be able to roll back the clock and go back and get involved. Um, sure, you love it when you're there, but no, that that's done for me. Um, to, I had our first session last night with the players. Um, and that was in my co- coaching capacity so very yeah, good really enjoyed that right so how did that go like can, we, can you change much coming in mid-season like that no certainly not but back to basics I suppose is first and foremost you know at the end of the day like these are the best hurdlers in Offaly um, essentially and we have to remind them of that and build up their confidence and build up team morale and, and um, 
as I said from the outset and I'm making them no more bones about this you know it was quite evident that they weren't hurling as a team and, and there was no work ethic or team ethic so you know trying to work on that and and um you know, you know, Joachim's big into that, obviously, and obviously we've Martin Bennett then involved, um, strength and conditioning guy, and I spoke to you before about him. He's involved with us with Kulari too. So, I suppose, um, you know, Joachim, Martin Bennett, and myself have, have worked together now for the last year and a half with with Kulari, so we're used to each other. And uh, you know, we brought in, you know, two other great stalwarts of Offaly Hurling with Paddy Kerwin and um, Joe Oakley. So, you know, it, it, it's a good setup at the moment. But as I said, we're trying to work on their, you know their morale, their, their belief, their confidence and, you know, just trying to um, uncomplicate things, you know, and, and right. just, you know, without giving away any, any two secrets, but just get back and remind them of, of, you know, they are, they've been training fierce hard, you know what I mean, since since October, November. Just remind them how fit they are and get them to believe in themselves first and foremost because when you're taking defeats like this and c- consistently and, and negative talk everywhere you go, you know, yeah. and, no matter what, where you turn, and it even happens within your own family, even though they don't mean it. It just, it obviously wears you down. You're only human, so it's important, um, you know, that you know we, we're we're positive as where possible, but also, you know, that we get the key messages across. You know, the players have to take responsibility, and they have acknowledged that, and their intensity has to improve, um, both on the training ground and hopefully on match day. Right. Okay. So Joachim brings that kind of positivity and you know team ethic and all that type of thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, no. Dracken's a positive type of guy. He's he's kind of a, a larger than life um, character, and <clears throat> you know he he he's very confident in his own ability. So he hurled for years himself, for roughly you know into his late late thirties, and and you know same with the club then into his forties. So he, he he believes in what he's doing. Any team he gets involved in, so yeah, as I said, he's he's a great character as well as, well as everything else, and um, very positive. But he he laid down the law last night. The boys, you know, the players know. What the hell them? It, it's in black and white, Willie. So like, it's two games, two wins. That's what they need, you yeah. know, essentially. Um, and um, make no bones about it. Um, we're still up against it. While it might be and great that from a, that you know we're involved. Obviously, we think it's great, but um, you know they still have to perform. That's that's the first performance. They still have to get a win. And Antrim um, are going down to play Westmead on Saturday. You know they're they're. Still in the hunt, big time. Um, just because they lost the leash, they still be Kerry. So, you know, they're still chasing down, trying to get promoted from or get to the Joe McDonough final first and foremost. So, um, these are serious teams, and and I've said this before. There's not in between any of these teams. So yeah, there's not much. There's not much between them. It's Kerry go to play Westmead um, this weekend. The in the sta- in the statement, the county board said survival in the Joe McDonough Cup competition in 2019 is essential for the long term development of hurling in the county, and that's right. Like I mean, there must be a lot of pressure in there, Brian. I know, like it's a new management team, and maybe not for you because, like I mean, it's very hard to ter- to completely put a stamp on the team. But for the players themselves, like I mean, this this is like backs real backs to the wall stuff. Yeah, and that's what you'd be hoping it'll come out. Um... In them, it has to come out in their performance. And as I said, initially from from our perspective, we have to see it in training, and um, a bit of bite to training, and, and a bit of bite to their hurling as well, and their, their intensity, as I said. So that that's that's first and foremost. So we have to see that it, it's a clean slate in terms of the panel. Um, Joachim brought in a couple of players as well. Um, so you know, there's about 36 guys in there at the moment. And and they're going to be every one of them has an equal and, and opportunity to try and make the team start of the week because. 
there's there's no one can say to have a jersey because the performances over the last number of while, you know, there's no one can say they can hold on to a jersey after those couple of performances. So it was that was laid out quite clear and open and honest. So um, anyone that's in there to have three or four sessions to try and impress management and look that's the way it is I think anyone that's ever been involved in these situations before would, would agree with that Right okay like obviously when new management comes in over a team they usually have like a meeting with the players and to find out what went wrong to maybe learn a little bit about what they're you know doing in the future did you get a chance to do that I don't really necessarily want yeah, to Yeah we had we had a meeting with players of course yeah and obviously um, you know we, t- we speak to players individually as well so you know obviously you have to learn from what went on and um you have to be cognizant of that fact that, as I said, they've been training a long time and Kevin has done a huge amount of work and, and a lot of good work as well. And that has to be acknowledged. Um, and as you said, but you've said this, Willie, a couple of times, the onus is back on the players now. You know, they have yeah. to perform. The, the structures are being put there. And and no matter what's asked of them, they have to do it now. And, and when they cross the white line without passing any book or, or absolving any responsibility on, on my own shoulders or the management shoulders, they have to perform Saturday week. And, you know, we saw it with Cork um, at the weekend. You know, they were written off. Yeah. Um, final nail was nearly going into the coffin for, for Cork hurling. And what a difference a week makes. And it wasn't anything tactical. Or, you know, it was just a lot of it was built on their, their hunger, their work rate, their intensity. And... I suppose we'll be looking for a reaction like that. As yeah. I said, we have we have good hurlers, and um, you know if we get them out in the field. It's up to them then to perform and bring that to the, bring that to the table. Yeah, because there are rumours coming out of Cork. That was the point I was making with you on Monday that everything's not necessarily rosy in that garden. Do you know what I mean? So, like, I mean, no, it, definitely it, not. And that that rumour's been doing a while too. So yeah, like people on on, on the ground for know that as well. Yeah, no, exactly. Finish to finish up here, Brian. It's the fourth. I was reading the stat. It's the fourth fourth time in the last 10 years Offaly have appointed an interim manager at senior level mid-season I think that might be hurling and football combined that's unprecedented really because I can't imagine remember too many counties that ha- that do that at all so for 4 out of 10 almost half the years like it's it's just it, it's a bizarre stat that's the word bizarre it, it certainly is and you just like the people of Offaly just get I suppose sick and tired of this, these situations and um, you know, it, it, we're hitting the headlines year on year for all the wrong reasons, and uh, you know it is disappointing. And but I suppose from that perspective, I can't really, I can't really get bogged down in that at the moment. I've I've, I've a hell of a lot of work ahead of me here over the next couple of weeks trying to concentrate on the players. And you know, but I agree with that, Willie. I'm not, I'm not um, dismissing it. They need, that needs to be sorted at board level, and you know the people of Offaly need to take take account for what's happening year on year. And the same mistakes seem to be, seem to be happening year on year. So it's very important that um, there is stability put in there and, and a structure put in place that, that um, you know, as I said, we're not hitting these headlines for, for the wrong reasons. Yeah, exactly. Brian, thanks very much for taking the call for us. Thanks, Willie. Not really an easy job, Cheddar, coming in in with two games left in the middle of a season like that for Joachim and for Brian and the other management team. Brian is uh, members of the management team. Brian is talking about there. The, maybe another way of looking at it is that you've a shot to nothing and you you won't be blamed if things go wrong because it is such a difficult uh, job to take on. Yeah, first of all, um, best wishes to Brian and, and obviously best wishes to Joachim and, and, and the management team and that, um, particularly Brian. Um, look, 
you've got to admire uh, people who, you know, get in. I mean, I've commented on my comments on Kevin, but but on the flip side of that, you've got to admire people who step in, um, you know, when it's most needed in difficult times. And, you know, look, this is difficult. Um, you know, the, the, you have two matches coming up. Um, I, I think by the way the league has won, that beat Nantrum won't be enough. You're going to have to go down to Kerry and beat Kerry, down in Kerry, and that's not going to be easy. Um, to, to actually stay up. Um, so, you know, look, look, it is difficult. And, you know, you, you've got to get to know players really, really, really quickly. And I suppose the advantages of Brian uh, in particular is he's played against all the current players and know, knows them intimately and knows them well and knows what makes them tick and, you know, knows their best positions and all of that. So I think there's the, the management team, and I know Paddy Curran's involved with it as well, with a course a lot around Offaly as well. Um, so, then you know, they know all the players uh, very well. That's a huge advantage, um, you know, knowing what, what drives them, you know, knowing the difficulties that they have in their life and all of those things to be able to, to set up the team to play in a certain way. And that's the second part, I suppose, really, is just looking at the style of play that you want to try and implement. You're not going to be able to change a huge amount. Um, you know, maybe just look at, 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 you know, small improvements all across the board, particularly in terms of intensity and work rate and all of those things. You're not going to be able to come with a complete new game plan because you're not just going to have time, time to rehearse all of those things so I'm assuming that that's what what they will do and look some of the times um, a new management team just simply gets bounce Um, it's hard to put your finger on what that is and to be more qualified people than me to be able to to give that Um, and look we I think there's been a couple of uh, um, examples thrown out of the, the one with, with Ole in, in, in United is probably one of them um, that you just get that and I suppose at the minute Offaly certainly need to stay in to, to stay in, in Joe McDonough slipping down to Christy Ring will have serious serious implications and massive consequences for Offaly hurling um, so you know if they can re-arrest and, and, and hold a position and you know I, I'm not so sure actually if four pints might actually put him in the reckoning maybe for to get into the final. I'm not too sure it's allowed at that yet uh, in, in terms of you know how the other scores would go on that. Um, but but staying there is, is huge. And, uh, you know, so whatever it needs. And, uh, the, sorry, the other point, obviously, that needs to be looked at, are there players in Offaly that haven't committed this year? Again, some media articles would suggest that there's a number that, you know, have the ability um, to, to actually play and have recently played at county level for Offaly. That would be a benefit to the team, obviously, to bring in some of those players. But therein lies a huge man management issue as well. Um, so players didn't commit this year for you know if they're for solid reasons fine the rest of the panel accept that but if they were for flimsy reasons or just didn't put the shoulder to the wheel when the county needed it well you know how do the other players in the dressing room feel about that and you know the man management of all of that will take a lot of time and uh, a lot of one-to-one chats with players and all of that to make sure that there's you know there's not further problems and further unrest in the dressing room about what you're trying to do here so I would suspect that the offline management team have been you know, fully on top of this for the last couple of days is probably full on in terms of beating everybody and making sure that, you know, everybody is wired up to where they're going to and that, you know, any grievances that arise, that they manage the grievances and all of those things. That is very, very time consuming and very, very difficult to do, but it has got to get done. Otherwise than that, you could be creating bigger problems than you have already. Yeah, it's definitely a difficult, it's a job that you wouldn't even entertain unless it's your own county um, coming looking for you and then it's a difficult um, decision to take that on based on the 
based on the fact that you might even think yourself Kevin Martin was hard done by and then you're trying to think but what's the best for Offaly hurling like I mean I presume um, it's not something you would entertain Cheddar if it wasn't Leash um, asking you to do it Oh, I, 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 well, to be honest with you, I don't think you should look outside your own county. It shouldn't be you, the manager, making this decision. Um, the selection of this has got to be within your own county because most of the issues here are internal um, man management, sub-county uh, um, issues. Oh, they're all internal issues that are probably stopping you from performing. And, you know, flying in somebody from the outside, I don't think in, in that particular set of circumstances would be the right thing to do. Um, and, you know, you really need to, to, to know all of these things and, and have a solution for them very, very quickly because you don't have time here to think things through and to, 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 to get a feel on things and that. So I, I think well, if you go back to your main point here, um, I think it has to be an internal solution in situations like this in terms of getting everybody on board um, and everybody recognising the, 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 you know, what's at stake here and just putting some, whatever issues are, put them to the side for the time being. We'll, we'll sort, sort them out in some future time and we'll, we'll get stuck into this and you know hold our position where we are and then we can, at a future stage, we'll come back and we'll sort out those issues. I think Michael Verney had a really, really good article um, and a very balanced article, I think, about the whole thing on the, on, on the indoor yesterday, um, and had touched on a lot of these points, Wooly. Right. Okay. I must have a I must have a read of that. Right. We'll leave it there, Cheddar, and we'll come back with Shane Conway. Let's chill the beans. There still is a lot of work to be done yet. Just give us a small bit of time. Just give us a small bit of time. Let's chill the beans. But I tell you, give us a year, a year and a bit. Just give us a small bit of time. Just give us a small bit of time. Let's chill the beans. Let's chill the beans. Beans. Let's chill the beans. Let's chill the beans. Beans. Let's chill the beans. There still is a lot of work to be done yet. Just give us a small bit of time. Just give us a small bit of time. Let's chill the beans. But I tell you, give us a year, a year and a bit. Just give us a small bit of time. Just give us a small bit of time. Let's chill the beans. So after a disappointing opening result, Kerry are on the road again this weekend when they travel to Westmead for the second round of the Joe McDonough Cup. And their main man up front, Shane Conway, joins us on the line now. How's it going, Shane? Hi, uh, good, good. Nice to meet you. Come here, it's not the easiest of games now to follow up a poor result like the Antrim one. Um, no, no, it wouldn't be the easiest game, but then again saying that um, all the games aren't aren't easy, they're all very competitive games and you, you're you you're able to win all of them if, you, if you're playing a good performance, but it's uh, very easy as well to, to come out the wrong side of it like, um, like above an Antrim. Yeah, what what is the story with Kerry on the road? You've got you start with two away games and then you have two home games um, uh, to finish up. And Cheddar Plunkett's on the show here a lot, and he always talks about Kerry being really hard to beat down in Kerry. Is there something psychological going on here? Um, I don't know if there's something psychological, but I suppose we're we're used to training there, and everyone else would say the same. It's it's all your home ground. You're trying to make it some bit of a a fortress for teams coming down and make it that bit harder for them to win and I suppose you wouldn't be tired or if, if that even comes into it so there's no no travelling so it's just it's nice you're trying to plan a show for all the people that come out to see you as well so 
I suppose that bit of atmosphere, the home support, it, it just drives you on that small bit extra so you might get the result. Yeah, maybe it is. And like, did you go up to Antrim the day before? Like, I mean, that's an awful trip for you to have to, to, have to go up there. Yeah, we went up. We went up to Friday, so it wasn't it wasn't too bad. No, we we normally go up the day before if it's if if it's about three hours or, or longer than that. So in fairness, um, they they do look after us. They put us up well before and try and give us as much preparation and rest as we as we possibly can for games. Right. Okay. So against Westmead, will you go up the day before that one, or will you just travel, or will you travel up? Um. Yeah, we're we're going up. We're going up to Friday. We're going up to Friday evening, so we we get to relax above and just kind of get ready for the game instead of travelling up and being maybe tired and sluggish for the first 15 minutes Yeah exactly Come here talk to us about growing up playing hurling in Kerry because I have to say you only came on my radar um, from looking from the outside as a leash man with your, with your performances for UCC in the Fitzgibbon and then you look into it and you've been starring at underage um, level obviously for Kerry won an All-Ireland B um, under 21 and then you kind of realise when you think of underage stars in Kerry you're thinking of David Clifford Sean O'Shea and these fellas yeah, I suppose first of all, when you when you think of stars, it's um it's definitely football. You turn your head to when it's Kerry, and rightly so, probably because they've they back it up so so often with winning Ireland. But it's, I suppose it starts. It's always the same as every other county. You start off playing maybe even your four or five in the back lawn or wherever wherever you do start. Did you go to your first training? And it just for me, uh, family or my hurling is very big in our family. It's a tradition. My dad played, my brother played, we we all kinda of played, so just the very minute I was I was interested in it and I, I absolutely love it. So I suppose it was it was easy for me just to, to keep practicing because I loved it so much. And thanks to the God that um I've I've had a good enough um career so far anyway. Yeah, and has it been is it frustrating looking at the top counties playing on the T V and then, you know, like with the ability you have and you can compete with the the Intercounty stars in UCC is it is it frustrating? You know when you when you see the level carry you're at and trying to get get above that level. I suppose sometimes it can be frustrating, and that's that's frustrating for for every team that maybe isn't making the top grade at the moment, and for every player that would want to be maybe to get the chance to play in Crow Park maybe every year or something like that. It'd be very nice. But look, we at the moment we're just going to try and focus and. Uh, Get a few performances down in Kerry, and hopefully that we can uh, we can make Crow Park, and that would be that would be a big dream for me to to go out and uh, be in the Joe McDonough final. Yeah, no, exactly. It it definitely would. So, like, I mean, when you're down in Kerry and you're playing hurling, it's a small enough area. Is the hurling area like? I mean, you're Lixnaw and Fanoog then Paul Galvin's club is the football side of that. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. There's only a small pocket in North Kerry, which. Um, eight, clo- eight clubs and then uh, South Kerry Kinmare and them kind of come into at an underage level and truly Parnells and them but they don't uh, they take place in the junior and intermediate competitions but as for seniors just the eight and yeah football uh, I played in with Fanuc which would be Paul Galvin named for tomorrow's the club so there's a strong tradition there as well Right so you play a bit of football too? Yeah yeah I play football too whenever we get the chance and we're released from um released from our county duties with Ireland. Right, okay. So that that's uh and you know, when when we talk about maybe increasing um participation and numbers in Kerry, like I mean, how difficult is that outside of the hurling area? You know, like I mean, it's very difficult even in leash to push hurling on in on football clubs, ne- never mind Kerry, which is just steeped in football tradition. Like it like is there any way that's it like is it possible at all? 
Yeah, I suppose of course it is. It's very difficult, and in a way that you can't really fault many many teenagers when they come to that age if they are playing hurling in in maybe not not in our Kerry that football is the main sport and more than likely South Kerry teams in that are going to be a lot stronger. They have a great chance of making a Kerry minor team and progressing on to seniors. But the only thing is that this competition, the Joe McDonough, is good because if you if you um, if we can get to the final or even get a few performances in and get to Croke Park, maybe some kids might say maybe there is hope for Kerry Hurling and it might get them entertained and it'd be nice in, in the league if, if at some point if you could go up to Division 1 and bring down someone big like Kilkenny or Cork and just bring attraction around the place and bring a bit of an atmosphere and kids might get start to like it and it might take off from there they might actually choose hurling instead of maybe choosing football Is that a big thing um, people are talking recently we've discussed it on the show is that the Joe McDonough Cup gets no TV coverage at all and it's a really competitive competition um, you know teams on, on a very similar level and it's a, it's a tier 2 competition and like there's only nine tier 1 teams so like I mean it's a, it's a bit of a strange one is it a what's it like from your point of view I presume TV coverage is well down your list of reasons that you play but like I mean maybe for the promotion of the game it would help definitely for the promotion of the game it would help and it, it is a bit of a pity that our games aren't covered uh, really but I suppose we at the moment we're not too worried about that but it would be nice if they if they could get them covered maybe just if they only showed a few scores here and there every every weekend because like you said it is it's a very competitive uh Championship and like the games are very close. They're all high scoring, and it, it might not be as quick at the moment as um, tier one, but still, I think um, there definitely should be a small bit of time given to it, and it would promote hurling in the weaker clubs, as we'd say, and it might get it might get more kids involved at underage. And those counties might be able to progress in the future. Yeah, I presume like you could score ten points against Westmead this weekend, and you know the Sunday game will come on, and there won't even be a mention of it. Like, I mean, I presume that would be a little bit demoralising. Like, you're from a hurling family, anyways. It's not going to affect you playing, but you know, you'd, a bit of recognition for playing really well is is good too. Yeah, I suppose recognition is is what is what um, is what we'd like as well. But all right. And that, that just goes back to if they televised a small bit of the game, even on the Sunday game or something, showed a few clips, just pick out small little points about maybe someone playing well or some, some good work or just good scores in general. Because like like I said, there is it's a high-quality game and there is high scoring in it. So definitely there, I don't think um, it wouldn't look too bad at all on TV if it, if it was able to be done. Yeah, because like, I mean, would you be recognised down in Kerry now? Um, with with Kerry people, I suppose I would because so we we've our we've our championship down there, and there's only such a small little pocket of teams that it's easy for people to kind of know who you are because there's not too many clubs down there for you to be saying, oh, which fella is he? So I suppose it's it's a small bit easier other than other counties. So you are a small bit, um, you are. I would be a small bit known, all right, down in Kerry. Right. Okay. Would that be in North Kerry where the hurling is, or would that be the entire county? Um, I suppose mainly it would be North Kerry, but I'm I'm sure that other people have heard a few things on the radio, like when they um, we were in the county championship last year final and we won it. 
So that that is that was broadcast on the radio. So I'm sure people are listening. To it and they might hear your name, so they might they might know of you, but it's not that they know you to see you or anything. Like ah, that. yeah, no, I'd say they definitely know the name. There's no doubt about that. Come here, talk to me about playing with UCC then. So, like, I mean, you're playing with Shane Kingston, Niall O'Leary, Dara Fitzgibbon, Mark Coleman. Um, what was that like? Like I spoke with Paul Flynn here last week and he kind of recognised his time in DCU and playing with other uh, players from other counties as a huge uh, point, turning point in his career. Yeah, it's definitely a turning point in my career and it's it's, it's exciting like when you go to train and then see, see those lads that you're seeing on TV week in, week out. Uh, playing and they're alongside you, playing with you, and they're they're your teammates and your friends now. All of a sudden, so it is. It's it's a massive boost and kind of playing for UCC. No one really knew me, so there was no there was no pressure on or anything like that. And last year, um, the management gave me a boost conference where they made me captain. So it was just they they kind of gave me confidence in a way that saying that Troy was worth my place and that they they thought a lot of me, which gave me a bit of confidence going on into this year. And the same thing happened where. Uh, the lads picked me and they, they thought that I, I was able to do a job for them and I was just delighted to, to be playing with those sorts of players as well because you learn, you learn a lot from them and it's just small things like that that, that would uh, help you. Yeah, well I suppose and another thing, these lads are on television playing at the highest level and then you see that you're, you're on a similar level to them so you know it, it just gives you probably that extra little bit of belief. Yeah, it certainly does. It just, if any doubts are in your head, you're you can look across the line and you can see the high quality that's that's beside you and that's down in front of you and everything and you can say that you've held your own somewhat with one of the top players and with the top players in the country at the moment. So it's just yeah, it is. It's definitely uh it's definitely nice you know going out to a game knowing that you've you've that kind of level there with you and you can bring it on with you. So it's it is it's it's very good and it improves you. Come here, a nice little story after you won the Fitzgibbon was a busload from Lixnaw came down to watch the match and then the whole team went on the beer in Lixnaw on the Monday, was it, after you won it? Yeah, it was it was um it was the Monday if one if one just decided to go down to Lixnaw. We kinda we kinda said it Sunday night, but you know that I didn't think it would materialise because we were all out that day, so I thought it was just kinda pub talk as they call it. But uh, no the we woke up around 11 o'clock and we were on the bus for one uh, and there was 24 fellas uh, ready to go down to Lixana to celebrate with me as well. So it was uh, it was very special and kind of, it was special because it kind of meant that I meant something to the group and it was just, it was nice as well because everyone from Lixana came up a bus load of and it was nice for them to get the chance to meet the players and just see the cup and draw that, that Lixana does mean something to to maybe... Cork and all the other clubs as well. Yeah, I'd say that's caused a stir in the town definitely on the Monday, a usual quiet Monday in Lixnaw. Yeah, it wasn't so quiet at all when, uh, <laughs> when the UCC was arrived. <laughs> Come here, I, I re- reading comments from Fintan O'Connor, like, I mean, you said you weren't very well known at the start in UCC. You're de- you're, you're known nationally now anyways, and in hurling circles, you're definitely known about coming up through the ranks. He's saying you're being fouled an awful lot. Like, I mean, so at Joe McDonough Cup level, like I heard Joe Quaid talking about before the league final that you're an exceptional player. He has to watch you. So I presume you're getting used to being well man-marked and maybe a fella in front of you as well. Um, yeah, you get you get used to that after a while, but it's no different from the way that kind of UCC played. That we kind of played two inside, so you're always 
facing the third defender and it's kind of like that in a way you're just being watched heavily and sure look, we, we do the exact same Kerry we, we have to watch out for certain players because we know uh, if you give them space or anything like that their ability can shine through and maybe that would be the difference so yeah I'm getting used to it and it doesn't really I go out and it doesn't really bother me too much if, if someone wants to mark me they can mark me it's on the day if you can get the better of him it's great and some days you'll come off and you, you have a poor day but hopefully a lot of the days you come off you'll have a great day Yeah Come here you're a small enough fella in stature like I mean does that help you get the freeze because the reason I say that a fella called Donny Brennan used to play with Leash and he was a small enough fella and his ability to win freeze was incredible and I'm not sure if referees played into that a little bit we, we see in football the likes of Michael Murphy Aidan O'Shea they struggle to get freeze so do you think that is a reason are you actually being fouled are you actually being fouled I think maybe 90% of the time alright I'm being fouled but <laughs> of course there's some times where, where it can come across as being a very soft free because I'm I'm light enough so if someone hit me they might um, they might throw me a couple of yards alright further than <laughs> if you hit someone like Aidan O'Shea or maybe Walter Walsh and they might get a small bit of stick because they're a lot taller and they're they're supposed to take maybe more more of a beating or more physicality but no I think 90% of the time I'd be saying that I don't think refs are are being unfair to the to the opposing team that I am actually being fouled, and that that's for everyone as well. Yeah, you should have said ninety nine percent there instead of ninety there. I'm uh, like, I mean, yeah, you're, yeah, you're, you're yeah, yeah. Come here, just just on that on your size. Like, I mean, you've obviously played a bit of football. Do you find it easier to play hurling with the skill level involved that size isn't against you? And maybe Gaelic football has gone a little bit more towards uh, athletes that can get up and down the field, or you know, the strength and conditioning, where skill is the predominant uh, factor still in hurling. Yeah, I suppose um, hurling is draw skill. You're heavily reliant on your on your skill in hurling, and it is draw. You can have one flick of the ball and kind of get a half yard or maybe more in um, in hurling if you if you have the right touch. And football, yeah, I do find it hard sometimes when you're up against physical teams, especially kind of when they're defensive teams. It's hard to break teams down and go through them because of draw. Your people can be light, but no, I I wouldn't say that. There's that much of a of a difference either. I, I played no football, we played championship down in Kerry and I wouldn't find that it was it was that challenging. Like when you go up to Intercounty it's hurling it's it's even tougher. So I wouldn't really find that it's it's that much harder in in um football. Right, okay. Come here, another question I wanted to ask you about uh, getting fouled a lot. You're the free taker, so uh, often when you get fouled and you have to take the free yourself, do you have to do a little bit of work on that or to compose yourself? Um, yeah, I actually uh, with UCC I was the free taker. So they they got in a fellow Brian Cunningham, uh, George Cunningham got in Brian Cunningham in, and he just had a few tips for when all he took all the free takers and had a few tips for us just to relax and make sure that you do the exact same thing every single time you're taking a free. It's all about repetition, and I have to say he's after helping me a lot because every time you know I take a free, I do the exact same things, and it kind of refocuses me and just hands me down that small because I'm focused on every single step that I'm getting and I kind of forget about actually what I'm supposed to be doing which is which is good Right. sometimes okay. you can overthink it or underthink it if, if it's a handy free or something like that yeah and what you wouldn't have been doing that before the before you spoke with him not not to not to the way he was telling me you go up for an easy free and you you might know it's it's only maybe ten yard or twenty one yards out in front of the goal, so you draw 
normally most people just walk up and hit it straight away. Yeah. Whereas he was telling you just to focus on this one as well, the exact same as you would for maybe one on the 65 inside in the corner or something like that. So it just, it all helps you to focus. Yeah, no, definitely doing the same thing every time. Come here, what are we expecting this weekend? Because the league final was 12-10, which is a very un- very unusual um, hurling scoreline. So I presume that was a tactical KG affair. Well, it'll definitely be... I, I hope that there's more scoring in this game because uh, the last game there was a gale breeze and then it snowed for all the second half. <laughs> so it wasn't exactly easy conditions to play in with two weeks in the trot where we were playing in snow because it snowed as well in Clarny against Mead. But um, no, of course, it's going to be it's going to be a big battle. Um, it's it's probably going to come down to the wire the last five minutes again, normally decide ourselves in Westmeath, where normally we find ourselves up maybe a couple of points and then coming back, snatching it. But um, no, we're, we're training hard and we'll, we'll do everything we can above to, to make a few, to try and get as close as we can to them and overtake them. Yeah, OK. Well, listen, Shane, thanks very much for taking the call. Um, best of luck against Westmead at the weekend. Cheers. Thanks very much. No, that's that. I, I remember my mother, Lord of Mercy, she's dead. She's eight years this year. She never saw me holding live, but she always went to the matches to the hotel the two finals and we got off the bus after the first one and the first person to meet me was my mother and she said, look, what's meant to be is meant to be. She said, keep the head up. I said, grand. No matter, ma'am. Thanks. 96, back to the hotel again. First person <laughs> off the bus, my mother. She says, ah, look, what's meant to be? I said, ma'am, will you give it a fucking ride? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Paddy Power predictions, Cheddar. We're looking at the big one here first, and that is Galway-Wexford. Galway are 2-5 to five with Paddy Power. Wexford 5-2, to two, outsiders. It hasn't gone very well for Wexford in recent meetings against Galway. The last one I remember is when they went up to the... the um, went up to Salt Hill and beat them. That was um, was it their first game in division in the first division or whatever in the hurling, and they came back and beat Galway. They haven't beaten them since. They were beaten in the championship in the last two years. In 2017, Galway beat them 29 to 117. That was in the Leinster final, and then last year they beat them 123 to 17. That was down in Wexford Park. Um, they hammered them in the league quarter final this year. They came. The Galway were losing at half time after playing against or after playing with a really strong wind and came out and hammered Wexford then in in the second half. So, like I mean, it looks to me from the outside that Galway have definitely figured the Wexford threat out. Um, y- y- yes, um, but I think there's a couple of things that have happened since Woolley that might have uh, eaten it up here a little bit. You know, certainly uh, Joe being missing, um, you know, is a is, is is a serious setback to Galway, I think, and and um, you know his, um, I suppose his ability to upset a particular system of the way Wexford play, um, and the, the you know the ability of Michal to be able to move him around the field so that he's unmarkable, really, or that you cannot start to tie him down and mark him. Um, and, and he's not there now, you know, like make the Wexford system much stronger in terms of the way that the play um, is the first thing I'd say. And the second thing I'd say is that, you know, Galway have been a little bit hit and miss this year when he's been even with him. Um, I, I saw the league semi in, in Kilkenny and, 
And, uh, you know, I, I, I think there's a little bit of work to do to get that cohesion that they would have had last year, particularly the year before, and not having Joe there is a little bit more difficult, I suppose. And you've seen some players sort of coming back there recently, and it's a little bit of time to bed everything in. And I suppose the last point I'd make is that the, you know, even Carlo gave Galway a serious test in Salt Hill. Um, and, you know, Kilkenny started sort of beat him, you know, fairly easily last weekend, whereas Wexford have had a great test last weekend against Dublin and, you know, probably should have won the match. They didn't, and, you know, maybe that is a, is a bit of a sign against them. But I think having that hard match recently, um, you know, look, just take Cork against Limerick, um, you know, and having a, a, week, a game the week before and then not having a game uh, as Limerick didn't have, um, you know, it seems to... I suppose, just re-energise the team and sort of resets the team in terms of what's at stake here. Um, so I, I actually gave Wexford, you know, I, I think a, a really good... By the way, there were a couple of sort of players back as well and some players, are, you know, their key players are playing well. Chin had a great game last weekend. You know, he's a really, really key player to them. You know, your, your leaders in the team and they're playing well can drag every, can drag the team performance, you know, way above, you know, where it might normally be. And the McGovern back and some of those players as well, uh, Lee Moog, that, you know, I'd rate him very, very, very highly, um, and uh, you know they, they seem to have refined their system a little bit better than the, maybe a couple of years ago when you know it was very much sweeper oriented. Um, it's probably a little bit more than that now, and they're a little bit more scoring threat than than, than they had. Um, so I think there are some differences over the last couple of years, and all of those differences are falling in Wexford's favour. Um, so I, I, look, I, I, I'd probably call it um, that. That uh, I actually think Wexford might sneak out with a pint or two. Um, I know the game in, is in Galway, and that's you know it's a bit of an advantage maybe to Galway, particularly to, to travel and that. It's, you know, there's there's all the issues that we discussed last week, Willie. Um, but I, I'm just going to give a hesitant vote to Wexford in this based purely on recent things. Joe being missing, uh, Galway just don't seem to have found that. You know, they're not hitting the ground running at the minute. They may do a little bit later on in the summer and they may very well be happy enough to time that for a little bit later on in the summer. I think Wexford had a strong performance against Dublin in Parnell Park and we know how difficult it is up there to get a performance and, and, and to get anything out of it. And, uh, you know, they probably should have won the, main, they won the game. So I think they're going to be in a good mindset going to Galway and I'm going to give them a hesitant vote, you know, but of course it's going to be very, very tight. Yeah. The big uh, talking point from last year in Wexford Park, if you remember, was Johnny Glynn not being picked to start, but he started and they absolutely launched ball down on top of him. And I think Connor Cooney got a good few scores in the first half off breaks off Johnny Glynn, but he caused all sorts of um, problems for them. Now, there was a strong wind in that first half, but remember thinking the analysis after that game, Wexford absolutely weren't expecting Johnny Glynn um, to start that game. So we might see him starting this weekend. You, you could, but uh, I'd be surprised um, that he'd come up to the speed of that level of hurling and fit into the game plan so quickly. Uh, you know, he's he's only back a number of weeks. Now, look, if he's, if, you know, he may be the player that really upsets Wexford and, and, and that. But uh, Wexford Park is a little bit different, Woody, as well. Um, you know, it, it is it's just one of these pitches. I think the Wexford people themselves are regularly comment on this, that if the wind is always blowing from one, from one side and, and it, can have a significant effect on the game itself. Um, even if it's only a breeze there, a breeze in Wexford Park is a strong wind. Um, and, you know, if you have a, um, a spearhead player on the edge of the square and you're just lapping ball down there, you know, you can gain a, an advantage in the game and a foothold in the game that, you know, you, you can sort of hold on to then later on in the game. Um, I don't think that that 
you know, I know it's the games the games in South Hill, but I don't think that that, that I, I'll be surprised if he plays as, as well. To be honest with you, um, I think it'll be a little bit later on before we'll see him. No, that all depends, I suppose, on his level of conditioning and and his integration into the team and all of those things. You know, I, I think he was he was certainly a part of the Galway plan last year, you know, very early on. I mean, the mere fact that they started in the All-Ireland with him, um, you know, sort of showed that, that you know, Michal had been thinking about this certainly well early in the summer and that. Um, so it'll be interesting It'll be interesting to see, as all I'd say, if he is, um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how he performs. What was surprising about Wexford Park last year is that Wexford have the players to handle the Johnny Glynn. Now, Johnny Glynn is a massive man. Um, he, 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 he plays a very big man. I said here before that he's a hand on the JCB booker than he has. You know, I think that goes in a, into a tall. He's very difficult to, to, to actually dislodge. He plants his feet, and you, you, you know, it's very, very difficult to move him off of that. But Wexford have players to match that. Liam Ryan, Matt O'Hanlon. Um, you know, these are all six foot three, four players as well. You know, powerful men um, that you know should be able to handle that. So I'm surprised that 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 that, that type of of a game plan would work against Wexford because. To play with a sweeper or maybe a semi-sweeper now, um, so just get the ball to the floor, sweeper pops it up, works, works out through the lines, and Wexford are on the attack again. Um, so they have uh, the, the, the tools, I suppose, to be able to handle a Johnny Glenn or that type of player, but obviously it didn't work for them in Wexford Park. And as you say, it may very well have been the surprise that they weren't ready for that. Yeah, maybe it was. So Galway, you're, I think you're right. If, I think if Wexford can't go up to Salt Hill and get a result based on... Galway's team um, their injuries like I mean Dahi Burke didn't play the last day he's he's not fully right Ronan Burke his brother played full back then you have Joe Canning centre forward you're talking about two of the best players in their positions almost that ever played the game definitely in Joe's case then you've got uh, Joe Cooney and Johnny Glynn so now they're four huge monstrous men that were always on the Galway team so even the physicality and that huge imposing kind of um I don't know that kind of imposing kind of team that used to be there doesn't seem to be there Davy Glennon's in there now Brian Concannon's in there in the forwards you know instead of uh, Johnny Glenn and Joe Cooney the last day anyways Jason Flynn's back in there who's not he's tall but he's not a huge physically imposing intimidating kind of player so Galway definitely if 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 Wexford who are on the cusp of of the big teams if they can't beat one of the big teams under strength like I mean, it, it, it will be demoralising for them, really, won't it? Well, it's that, um, and you're right. Um, you know, Galway. I think for 17 and 18 had a fantastic mix of physical dominance and real ball player stick players, and they had a really good mix and a really good game plan to suit those two things. Um, but there's one other aspect as well. Um, you know, Wexford have a point against Dublin. Um, I know there's a away game. This is an away game. And their next game is a home game against Carlo. And you would expect them to win. It'd be nothing easy about that now. Carlo definitely fancied their chances against Wexford in, in, in uh, Dr. Cullen Park. But the game after that is a home game also against Kenny. And, uh, you know, Wexford, Wexford will have to target this game against Galway for a win. Yeah. Um, because the draw last Sunday, even though, even though getting the point was good, uh, but it may not be enough to actually get them through. Yeah. So, so I, I, I think you know it's you, you would never not go to Salt Hill fully focused, um, but but 
you know, I, I think it'll definitely sharpen the focus when they see what's ahead of them in, in the sense that they're going to play Kilkenny in their last game. And, you know, Kilkenny will not be putting out a secondary team against Wexford below and Wexford Park. Yeah, definitely not. I think the midfield battle is one that we're all going to look forward to because you have two wing backs playing for Wexford in midfield in Dermot O'Keefe and Sean Murphy and then you have arguably a, well you have definitely a forward in Cottle Mannion and you have David Burke who can play in the forwards as well so it's gas it's almost like uh, it's like two really attack minded players well both Sean Murphy scored three points on Danny Sutcliffe which was outstanding it's it's a midfield battle which reflects probably the modern game and the way the game has gone um, Cheddar Yeah well it's definitely the game's gone definitely gone middle third um, and if you just use there's definitely um, a battle, the middle third battle, um, and the you know the winning of the breaking balls and, and winning primary possessions in that area, and being able to be creative off of that platform is hugely important um, in the current game. And look, lots of players commit a lot of players to it. All of the, all of the counties now commit a lot of players to that area. Um, and you know, if you were to just take um, you know take an aerial picture of the pitch you will probably see you know two full backs two full forwards inside of 30 metres nobody else on both sides yeah. so it just tells you there's a lot of players in, the, in, in between the 40s here um, so so you know I, I, I know Salt Hill is a fine fine pitch and you know you'll, you'll certainly be able to make a space for yourself make that work for you but both teams are quite competitive you know whether Galway will have that physical dominance that they had over the last couple of years missing a couple of players and whether they'll be able to score from distance out of that midfield battle missing Joe um, you know it might be just enough to get Wexford over the line here and you know as I say Wexford you know being fully focused going into Salt Hill knowing what's at stake here and knowing what's coming down the track here you have Carlo um, at home but you also have Wexford at home we need to win this match to put ourselves in you know in, in, in the driving seat here for Leinster and, and All-Ireland honours and so on and so on and to show that you know we have improved and that we are real life contenders here um, you know if they come in with that mindset and Galway are any bit off either in playing or in, in in the psychological or whatever um, you know I just think that Wexford just may very well get over the line here Yeah because they definitely have an experienced team uh, there was 13 of the team that played against Dublin played against Clare in their 2018 game last year so like I mean it, it's a strange one in that he tried so many fellas out during the league but he lands back with a similar uh, team that what he had and maybe you say it's a year older and they're a year more experienced and that's it we're not seeing too much new from Wexford um, by the looks of the things an interesting one as well this is despite all the players he tried during the league and he did experiment during the league he only brought he brought four subs on but he only brought one on before the 65th minute like, I mean one came on after 55 minutes and then after 65 minutes the other three were brought on so it's not like he doesn't really trust his bench or maybe he's kind of old school manager Cheddar Davy is that he, he has a first 15 and he doesn't see much outside of that I, I think he's trusting what he's seen in front of him, uh, Wally. That you know, if everybody is performing, there's nobody fatiguing, um, and and uh, you know, the, the the actual performance is actually getting better. Um, well, look, you're you're unlikely to, to disturb things then, particularly if you're playing in a certain way. Um, you're unlikely to change things, um, and uh, versus maybe a manager who just you know just works purely off the GPS, and you know you're after running your. 44 miles in the middle of the match or something like that and you know science will tell you that this player is done with now take him off and replace him with a more energetic player and so on and so on um, I'd say Davey looks at it in a different way um, you know if the team is, is performing well you know why would you change things 
Um, so, so I think, you know, look, it would differ from game to game and it might differ from the intensity of the game and what you're actually looking at in front of you. Okay, who do you fancy in this one? Galway 2-5, to five, Wexford 5-2. to two. Handicap here is four points. I just think that, that you know, there's, there's, there's a lot at stake for Wexford um, and I think, you know, the, the, the things I've just said that they've had a really tough game last weekend and got something out of it and, you know, had have something to build on there um, in, a, in a bit of a cauldron or Parnell Park and that should serve them well. And, you know, if they hit the ground running um, in Galway, I just think they'll come out with, with, a, with a pint or two. Um, but that's probably um, driven by the fact that, you know, I haven't seen Galway in, in, the, in the league at that being as as just as driven and as cohesive and and, uh, and that as I would have seen them over the last couple of years. Um, so and I, I fully accept as well that in the previous year's league, the, the Liberty went out to to, to slow a pedal, I suppose, through the league so that, so that they could peak for the championship. Um, but I just think that Wexford have more at stake and, you know, recent form suggests, very recent form as in the last couple of weeks suggests a little bit more about them. Yeah, OK. Well, I, I, while I might not fancy Wexford to win, I think Wexford with a, a lead of four points is, is probably the bet of the weekend. Last one is the Joe McDonough Cup game. Cheddar, um, Westmead and Kerry. Westmead are home. They're one to four. Very strong favourites. Kerry seven to two. I was talking to Shane Conway there and Kerry d- tend not to travel very well for whatever reason. Um, uh, you know, maybe that's an issue. of a few players that have gone to America. They obviously have Shane Conway who's an outstanding game. The corresponding game, the last game they played against each other was the league final. Westmead won 12-10 but that was played in the wind and the snow like Shane was saying. Joe Quaid was talking after the Offaly game. They're, they're really on a high. They've won everything that they could win so far this year and he was saying just similar to what you're saying there now, I would say it was the work rate of our midfielders and forwards tracking back that just made our job a little bit easier in the backs. I don't think we were ever under massive pressure at the back. I don't think we coughed up a goal chance. That's the kind of stuff we've been working on. So like, I mean... It's very obvious, Cheddar. It's like you said, and I said it last Monday on the show here, you've got a full forward line which is probably going to consist of two being marked and on the same on the other line. And the other twelve out the other twenty four outfield players is just mayhem in between the two full forward and full back lines. Yeah, that's particularly true um of Mullingar. Um you get a lot of people have commented on this, Willie. Um I think we commented on it last week ourselves as well. Um you made a comment about the Dunn's doors on one side and the apartment and the on the other side. Westmead, um, not dissimilar to, to uh Parnell Park, just seemed to that really, really play well there and they get the crowd behind them there and, and uh, you know, I've seen them seen them play some really, really good hurling there as well. Um and you you would probably it's difficult to call this um Woolly, to be honest with you, because that type of pitch would also suit Kerry. Um, you know, they have some really big, strong players that, you know, when the, when the pitch is a little bit tight, that, that that physical dominance can tell a little bit. And they're a very skillful team as well. Um, you know, Shane being one of them is, would, would, would get his place in any county. Um, but it, it, I, I think that, you know, in a, in a perverse sort of way, I think the pitch might even things out a little bit for Kerry. And it's difficult to find to, to read Westmead's arm recently. I mean, it's, it's hard to know where Offaly were in terms of spirit in the dressing room and all of those things last weekend. I just thought, I, I actually tipped Offaly to beat Westmead on the simple 
reason that I thought that they were very spirited against Leeds the week before that and that that's um, I suppose the determination within their team to, to you know to prove people wrong and all of that would even be stronger in in, um, in it didn't turn out like that all reports were that the, the opposite that actually happened uh, that they were a little dispirited um, uh, you know sometimes when teams are on a bit of a downward spiral like that um, you know another team can beat them reasonably comfortably and they're saying geez this other team's doing great when you know there's a little bit of other things going on here as well um, I'll come back to your point, Willie. I just think that, you know, there is certainly Westmead are still in an upward trajectory. Uh, This team is based on a very good, maybe two very good minor teams, under-21 teams, going back a couple of years ago now. It's probably at its peak performance age and period now with the likes of Tommy Dial um, and a lot of those players. Um, And I I just think that they, you know, they know they have two points in the in the bag already um, and another two pints would put him in a great great position for a Joe McDonough um, and I, I just think that that'll get him over the line I do take Shane's point that Kerry don't for whatever reason don't seem to travel very well um, I disregard last performance in Antrim just think for a minute about um, you know I know myself what it's like for these to go up to Valley Castle for example or to go up to, to Dunroy or some of these pitches um, and the, you know the travel and the distance and the overnight and all of those they just just, just throw you out of your rhythm a little bit well just think about what that's like for Kerry um, so I disregard that uh, performance a little bit um, and I think you know the, 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 there may not be a lot in this if Kerry bring their A game to this um, and you know I think the pitch might actually suit him a little bit and I don't think there'll be much in it but I think Westmead know what's at stake here again um, and the, you know they certainly seem to have transitioned from Michael Ryan over to Joe well and um, you know I, 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 you would expect Westmead would just have just too much on their own Feel yeah, I'll agree with that one for what it's worth. Cheddar, thanks very much. We'll be back with Damien from Paddy Power. Damien from Paddy Power, welcome to the show. Well, so what do we have here then? We've only two games, Damien. So do we have any specials to start off with before we actually get into the games? Yeah, as you say, we're a bit quieter on the hurling front this week after the feast the last couple of weeks. So we've only won game in Leinster and the Galway Wexford and one game in Joe McDonough Cup uh, yeah so on the specials we'll have specials for the Galway v Wexford match that'll be live on Sunday so um, we're going to enhance Conor Cooney for first goal score from 13-2 to out to 15-2 and we'll enhance from 72 to 92 we'll have Galway by 1-3 to three points and as, as with every live match we have this year in hurling and football if you have a losing first goal score bet and your player goes on to score at any time in the match we'll give you your money back so any live game in hurling of football all through the summer you can have that offer so that's kind of where we are for the week Okay not too bad so we have obviously we talked about this on the predictions Galway are 2-5 to five, Wexford 5-2 to two, and the handicap here is 4 which I've put into my accumulator Yeah yeah um, yeah. it's 4 point handicap I suppose it's kind of a difficult one to call from our point of view because we've been looking at Galway and they haven't we haven't seen anything this year from Galway that really should tells us that this should be a four point handicap so they're kind of being priced on past form a little bit yeah um, they're yeah they did have a play very well against Wexford in the league it's probably the best game they had and they do have a very good record against Wexford but it's just hard to know where they're going especially without Joe Canning there obviously that'll make a massive difference so they'll need some of the other lads to step up yeah no exactly right I've just mentioned my handicap so or my accumulator so I'm trying to remember what it was so it's loud plus 17 it's Roscommon plus 5 it's the weekend of the underdogs here yeah, yeah. Um, it's Wexford plus 4 
and it's a may it's a Donegal win. Yeah, Donegal yeah. win. So, so what what have you done with that? We've gone from fifteen to two out to ten to one. There, um, you're picking the underdogs as you say, and, and in fairness, the underdogs have had a good record so far this championship. Most of the underdog, most of the plus have been coming in rather than the minus. So really, yeah. So okay. we'll see. We'll I see. hadn't could noticed be on, that. I just you could be on the right side. Okay, so it is difficult with these handicaps, um, but look, we'll see how we go. So we're combining the football show with the hurling show this week so it's 100 euros on that accumulator because there's only one hurling yeah, game so we weren't able to or yeah. two hurling games second hurling game is obviously Westmead Kerry Westmead are 1-4 to four, very strong favourites Kerry 7-2 to two. yeah it's kind of a weird game this one because we priced up Westmead played Kerry in a league final about a couple, of mo- a couple of months ago and it was basically an even money game on both sides and Westmead win by a couple of points which says maybe Westmead should be slight favourites again but we're looking at it now and Westmead are 1-4 to four. It's mad isn't it? Yeah I suppose like you can see why because Kerry very poor went up to Antrim yeah. and Antrim did nothing to frank that form against Leash last week and Westmead obviously hammered awfully and home advantage so a 5 point handicap and the two teams seem to have gone in opposite directions since the, since the league so it's hard to it's hard to know I, it's probably it's probably one you'd be fancying Westmead I think Kerry just be hard to turn that around I think yeah yeah. maybe not 1-4 to four, but listen we'll see it's even money I didn't realise they're even money for the league right so tell, talk to me about All-Ireland odds because Galway had been favourites for a long time Limerick third fourth favourites then Limerick have a brilliant league then Limerick are favourites yeah. um, now Cork have beaten Limerick What's wh- where are the punters going now after last weekend uh, well, the presume, Tipper, presume Tipper very uh, yeah. fancied yeah Tipper popular now and they started off the year around or they started off before championship they're around 6-1 to one. they're now into 11-4 after two very impressive wins and they are the kind of the one the punters have been latching on to most. Uh, we've had a few nibbles on Clare as well, who are in thirteen to two into nine to one, and Kilkenny from fives into sixes. So they've both got off to decent starts of the year. Um, Limerick are the ones that have been pushed out. They've gone from seven to two pre championship out to eleven to two. Really? Um, yeah. Uh, like the thing with Limerick is now they're gonna they're gonna find it difficult enough to qualify for Munster. They really they don't have any room for any more slip ups. So. So we're, it's pri- if we're pricing up to qualify for Munster, they're probably only about evens to get through in the top three of the Munster Championship. So that's where the that's where the price is coming in. If they get through Munster, you'll see the, their odds go back into around trees again. But right. that's okay. not no cert at this point. So the obvious thing is when a lot of money comes in for a team, their odds will go in. Yeah. And when they start drifting, you just see nothing coming in for them. And how do you know how much to send them out drifting? Is that just... Uh, you kind of you kind of try and work it out and like you don't mind if you think the price is right you don't ma- mind taking money on a team like so you have to you can't just keep cutting a team if keep teams people keep backing them you kind of have to see and take your own opinion a little bit as well so right yeah Limerick we, we took a lot of money on Limerick through the league up through the championship and maybe people now will see the 11 to 2 and see that's a bit of value because if they do win, if they do win their next two games, they'll be back into their previous price seven to two. So if you fancy, if you fancy Limerick for the All Ireland, and you've held held off backing them, and you can back them now at a bigger price. So could be something there. Yeah, definitely could. Right, listen, we'll leave it there, Damien. Um, we'll be back on Monday as usual, and we'll do a review show um, from the game in Salt Hill and the Joe McDonough Cup game as well. We'll talk to you then. Good luck. When I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going. So it opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are, and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. 
but it's harder to get the brakes when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know, and it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Waterford today because, like, I'm, I'm heartbroken. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash Upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.